Welcome to HealthCast. I'm your host, Faith Ryan. One of the main objectives amongst clinical researchers is a more personalized approach to medicine and treatment to better target specific diseases like cancer. This includes understanding how proteins within human cells behave and respond to drug therapies. Advancements in technology, moreover, are critical to simultaneously advancing health outcomes. We spoke to Chris Kinsinger, a program director at the Center for Strategic Scientific Initiatives at the National Cancer Institute's Office of Cancer Clinical Proteomics Research, to learn more about technology's role in this area of scientific discovery. Hi, Chris. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Why don't we begin with you? How did you wind up at the National Cancer Institute and what led you to working in the public sector? So I got a PhD in computational chemistry some time ago. And after a brief postdoc at National Institute of Standards and Technology, an opportunity opened up to join the National Cancer Institute to help them launch a proteomics technology program. And given my background in understanding physical chemistry and also being able to help them manage bioinformatics, I was the right fit. So I've been helping to manage this proteomics program for the past 14 years. Awesome. So what exactly is proteomics? Right. So proteomics is the study of all the proteins in a biological sample. We use a technology called mass spectrometry, which gives us the masses of individual parts of the proteins. We put those all together, and that gives us both which proteins are there and the quantity of how much of that protein is in the sample. How is that applied to cancer research? So in cancer, a lot of the more recent therapies available to patients are so-called targeted therapies. And with these targeted therapies, we have a drug that targets a mutated protein based on a DNA mutation. So a lot of these targeted therapies work really well for some patients, but they don't work for all patients with that genetic mutation. So we think that by looking more closely at the proteins and seeing which of those mutations actually gets translated to the proteins, we can help better predict who will respond to these new targeted therapies. So I think that's the essence of what proteomics brings to cancer research. Cool. So this is basically like precision medicine. Absolutely. It's precision medicine. Yeah. What exactly has been happening in the world of proteomics? Have there been any recent discoveries or successes in terms of figuring out what proteins can be targeted for therapies for cancer? Yeah, so let me share two. We're, we're still fairly early days in combining this proteomic research with genomic research. But in the past few months, we published a paper in Nature Medicine, which demonstrates our ability to characterize the DNA, the RNA, and the proteins from just a sample that's a, a core needle biopsy. So far, we usually do this characterization with surgical samples because there's a lot more sample available from surgery. But if we can do this so-called proteogenomic characterization from just a a small biopsy sample, then we can really start to expand the types of experiments we can do from characterizing a tumor at the time of diagnosis, so before any treatment or surgery, and also we could monitor patients longitudinally if we can just get that biopsy at set time points. The second highlight that we've had a number of these tumor characterization publications that have come out. So both in kidney cancer and endometrial cancer, we had publications released in cell. And we're able to characterize not just the proteome, but also how the proteome relates to the immune system's infiltration into the tumor. And so through this, could really help us understand which cancer patients are more likely to respond to immunotherapy. 
NCI also released a new proteomics database under the Cancer Research Data Commons. How did this come about and what was the old way of managing data for proteomics? Right. The Cancer Research Data Commons really has two aims. And one is to connect NCI data resources to each other and also to move cancer research data into a cloud environment. This was launched by the Cancer Moonshot or the 21st Century Cures Act from Congress a few years ago. And the Proteomic Data Commons is one node of the Cancer Research Data Commons. So we just went into production mode a few weeks ago and their researchers or the general public, it's, it's quite open, can go and get access to proteomic data and connect those data to corresponding genomic data as well as imaging data available through other data resources. So I'm guessing there's a lot of data collection involved. Yes, quite a bit of data collection. We have right now about 23 terabytes of raw proteomic data, and that's across 40 different studies involving 12 different cancer types. Does this use any emerging technologies by any chance? Well, certainly mass spectrometry to detect proteins in samples, it, I would consider an emerging technology. Mm -hmm. uh, we're using the most advanced sample preparation techniques. But I think the real highlight here, the, the real frontier is being able to combine different data types together and find new insights from that integration. Gotcha. It just accelerates research tremendously. And it gives researchers basically one place to find all of their data. Right. Pivoting to COVID-19 and the pandemic we're currently in, have you seen proteomics tools supporting researchers around the world for finding treatments against the virus? So I know that that is happening. That's a little bit outside of my scope since I'm focused on cancer proteomics. Mm -hmm. Are there remaining technological limitations and restrictions or data challenges facing researchers in this area of study? Yeah, so I think the main one when it comes to proteomics is there's no way to amplify the signal of the protein. In genome sequencing, we have PCR, we can create multiple copies of the DNA, so there's enough to detect. But in proteomics, there's a, a lower limit of quantitation and detection that is still a struggle. We're making progress, but uh, some of those proteins below our detection limit could be key to understanding cancer biology. We also have a limitation in measuring the phosphoproteome. So this is phosphorylation post-translational modification that happens on the proteins. And right now, we still need quite a bit of sample to measure the phosphoproteome. When we get down to looking at those biopsy size samples, the number of phosphoproteins we detect decreases by a fair amount. So those are some of the limitations in proteomics today. Going back to the cloud and how the new proteomics database basically uses the cloud to store all of the data, what is the biggest benefit of this database for researchers across these 40 research studies on proteomics? So it's really a paradigm shift from going to local servers and downloading those data to your local server and working with it in a local environment. When it's going to the cloud, we're thinking about moving users to the data and to the computational resources. The big advantage here is really for researchers who maybe don't have access to high-powered computing facilities at their institution, or even citizen researchers. There's nothing that says now you have to have an NIH grant to access these data. We, we have a lot of open access data available to anyone who is interested in, in learning more about cancer biology. Are there different security checkpoints or levels for researchers to access this data, or is it just open to citizens? So the proteomic data is entirely open. With genomic data, 
you know, the, obviously we use genomic data to identify people in a forensic setting. So those data we do have behind a firewall and we control who accesses those because of the identifiability. Got you. And is NIH collaborating or NCI collaborating with other researchers across the globe in this effort? We absolutely are. We're working with people just across the street and on the other side of the world. So again, out of that 21st Century Cures Act, we started a program with the Department of Defense called Apollo, which is doing this proteogenomic research, but now using cancer samples that have come from both the Mirtha Cancer Center of Department of Defense, as well as the samples available through the Veterans Administration Million Veterans Program. And we're pretty excited about that. Secondly, in terms of around the world, we've started the International Cancer Proteogenomic Consortium, where we have 30 institutions across 13 countries, all working together to share data as we study the cancer populations from our respective countries and combine those proteogenomic results together. Gotcha. It seems like there's a lot of research being done. How long does it take to get results from proteogenomic studies? Is it instantaneous or does it take months to go through peer review journals? No, it, well, it's definitely a process. So that, you know, first we have to collect the samples. We, we do collect these samples prospectively from patients that walk in the door and, and have cancer. Then there's a, a sample processing that takes a few months to get the samples to the proteomic characterization labs. And then from there, it takes several months to generate the data. So on average, our characterization projects take two to three years. Can you also explain how this ties into Cancer Moonshot and the whole process for how this came about? Because you mentioned a few pieces of legislation as well. Right. So there's the 21st Century Cures Act. The goal there was to create a cancer research data ecosystem where all of these different data resources across the NCI and in other federal agencies would be able to talk to each other. And you don't have to specialize figuring out how to get data from this resource. And then it turns out, oh, I need some data from over here. And, and now I've got to figure out the process to get those data. But we're trying to bring those data together and integrate them so that researchers have access to the data they need. and They can really focus on the analysis. Can you give an example of how NCI's data is being pulled into this cancer research data commons and where exactly it's going to help other areas of interest other than cancer, perhaps? Or is it just solely for cancer research? So the cancer research data commons is obviously focused on cancer data. However, we're learning a lot of lessons about how to bring these data types together. And I can see that quickly expanding across the NIH to other diseases, and also just general biology data in general. I think Cancer Research Data Commons has something to share with many other areas about how to bring together disparate types of data. Gotcha. And I'm also curious about how this genomics data or proteomics data can be used in clinical applications. How is this research basically making that jump from basic research to applied research or applications? So I think we're really following in the wake of the genomic data revolution, since we have a number of genomic tests that are now used to determine if a cancer patient should receive this therapy or that therapy, adding the level of proteomic data to it, I think will help to clarify and refine those results so that hopefully we're more accurate and really moving toward that goal of precision medicine, where each therapy, each clinical decision is tailored for that individual. 
NIH also has the All of Us research program. Do you see this helping there? I certainly think it could. We haven't had direct interaction with All of Us so far, mm -hmm. but certainly they're bringing together disparate data types and we're doing that in cancer as well. So I think there could be a lot of synergy there. Where do you see proteomics heading or research in general for treating and curing any specific forms of cancer in the near term? With the rapid advancements in technology we're seeing, are there any recent developments you've been following closely? So I think what you're going to see are the discoveries that we've made kind of in this general survey of proteogenomics moving into targeted proteomic assays. A big advantage here is that we can stack a few hundred proteomic assays into a single test. And we'd like to move that first into clinical trials. And then as we see success, we'll eventually be moving those into general clinical use. So just to summarize, I hope what you've heard me say is that proteomic data are definitely important in cancer research. And that through the Cancer Research Data Commons, we're bringing different data types together and moving cancer research data to the cloud. And that by doing this, we're helping to solve the informational part of the cancer problem and ultimately help patients and their families. And where can listeners find more information on your office's efforts? So our general website is proteomics.cancer.gov. And on Twitter, you can look for hashtag CPTAC, hashtag proteomics. And our general handle is at NIH underscore H Rodriguez. Cool. Chris, thanks so much for speaking with me today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a real joy. HealthCast is a production of Government CIO Media and Research. For more podcasts, head to governmentciomedia.com slash podcasts. If you liked what you heard, let us know by leaving a review in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. HealthCast is produced by Amy Kluber, hosted by Melissa Harris, Adam Patterson, and Faith Bryan. If you're interested in sponsoring a podcast, contact us at sponsor at governmentcio.com.